In the early 20th century, former President Theodore Roosevelt dropped this quote: "Comparison is the thief of joy." Now, this was literally 100 years ago, and the quote rings even truer today. The massive effect that social media has on our lives causes us to look to other people as a standard for our own lives. Even as Christians, we tend to look at other people's salvation and become disappointed in ours because it wasn't as impactful or immediate or as monumental as theirs. Now, these are some of the ideas that Pastor Jeff tackles in a sermon today, entitled "It's Gonna Be Different." If you've struggled with the method or the timetable or the evidence of your healing, this is the message for you. Enjoy today's sermon by Pastor Jeffrey Smith on the City of Life Church podcast. I am on part forty-two of my series of Jesus First, Jesus Always. Um, today, I am going to talk about an idea called "It's Gonna Be Different." Uh, it is based on Chapter Nine in my book, and uh, it's just really been a fantastic journey together. Uh, this is unlike anything I've ever experienced, having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. In our small groups, this is the largest small group we have ever done in the history of City of Life Church. So many groups going off on a weekly basis in our Jesus First, Jesus Always series. Hear people talking about what God is doing in their small group, seeing people reading the book, going through this together, chapter by chapter. It has truly been uh, transformational for me, for our team. I'm really honored. I, I can feel the plane is landing now. Uh, this week and next week is going to be the last two weeks of the series, and we'll be on to uh, to new things. Uh, but turn with me to Mark chapter one verse 40 and Luke chapter 17 verse 11 today our text scripture is going to be two stories of Jesus encountering people that had leprosy so you really don't find too many people these days with leprosy have you ever noticed that you don't really hear that you know people's Facebook feed very much play for, pray for my brother he has leprosy it doesn't happen anymore because Hansen's disease uh, also known as leprosy, uh, Hansen's disease, the modern term for it, is, has been, there's a cure for it. Uh, so when people get this disease, uh, there's medicine that can treat them and uh, they don't have to suffer the consequences like if you had this disease in the Bible. When you had this disease in the Bible, leprosy, you were done. You were dead. It was a death sentence. You knew that your time was coming. Uh, and not only that, was it a death sentence, you were considered unclean by society. So you were no longer, um, imagine if you found something out about your life right now that from this moment forward when you found it out, you were legally never allowed to hug your kids again. You were never allowed to touch your family members again. You could never make physical contact with anyone again. You were deemed unclean societally. If you were hundreds of yards away from someone, it was the law that you had to announce yourself when coming. Unclean, unclean. You had to scream out. I'm unclean. So imagine the humiliation, the lack of dignity and self-worth that you would have in a society where you had something that made you so unclean. Before you check out of this story and go, oh, we're talking about leprosy. These, I mean, this story is about, these stories are about people that, with a disease that I don't have. I'm not sick. I don't have any kind of disease. Well, I got news for you. There's a disease called sin. And sin is a disease. If you wonder what leprosy does, leprosy numbs you. So the reason that your limbs fall off and you lose body parts with leprosy 
is not because you just get it and your finger falls off. You get leprosy and what happens is your nerves die and you can't feel anything in your extremities. You can't feel anything in your body. And back then people would pick up a hammer or they would grip something too hard or, or they would put too much pressure or put their hand in a fire and it would burn picking up something that was too hot but they don't know it's too hot because they can't feel it. So it's a disease that numbs you to things that are truly hurting you. Does that sound familiar? Because that sounds like sin to me. Sin numbs you and keeps you from realizing that the things that you think are helping you are actually hurting you and destroying you. So this story is about all of us receiving our healing from the disease called sin. So before you write this off and say, I don't have leprosy, it doesn't apply to me. No, we got a thing out there called sin. Jesus has healed us from us. This is how we respond to Jesus after being healed or even before being healed of this disease called sin. Mark chapter one, it says this. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. Now, that particular word indignant is the Greek word spunk litznamai. You will find no one naming their child that anytime soon. Uh, spunk litznamai means your heart flips inside your chest. Like so much passion is stirred up in you when this happens. Indignant's a strange translation of it because it almost makes it seem like he's mad. I guess if, if uh, to me, a better translation would be like a holy anger rose up because the guy said, are you willing? If you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus just like gets almost a little defensive, like, oh man, dude, are you serious? Am I willing? You don't know, man. I, I'm going to the cross for you. I love you more than anything. I loved you on your worst day. Yeah, not only am I willing, I'm about to do it right now. So Jesus gets fired up. It says he reached out his hand and touches the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. He was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. I find it interesting that Jesus, and this guy went and just told everyone. Jesus said, don't tell anyone. And he goes and he tells everyone. But yet he's flipped it on us and he tells us after he's healed us, go tell everyone, yet we tell no one. Don't we need to flip that around? We need to flip that around. So Luke 17, 11, different story of Jesus healing some lepers, people with sin in their life. So in this story, story number one, let's recap. A man comes to Jesus wanting to be healed of his sin. Jesus wonders if he's willing. Maybe, maybe some people are like that today. I wonder, Jesus, can you heal me from my past? He's going, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I can heal you from your past. Be healed in Jesus' name. Then he tells the guy, go to the priest, show yourself to the priest. Boom, gives him some instructions. Second story, Luke 17, 11, says, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria was a different region where the Samaritans were enemies of the Jews. It was a racial war. They hated each other. Jesus, who was a Jew, would never talk typically to a Samaritan. A Samaritan would never talk to him. It would be frowned upon by everyone. They didn't like each other. There was no love between them whatsoever. And it says, as he was going into a village, 10 men, they were Samaritans, who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Remember, I, I said at a distance, you can't talk to someone close up. And they yelled. They cried out to him in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. 
When he saw them, he said, hey, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, somebody say, as they went. As they went, they were cleansed. So first story, this guy wants to be healed. Jesus lay hands on them. Immediately he's healed. After he's healed, he gives them instructions. Go show yourself to the priest. In this story, Jesus doesn't even touch him. He says, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you whole. I'm going to talk about it. It's going to be different today. Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Bless this message. Open every heart to receive the truth of your word. Let us leave different than we came in here because of the transforming power of the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Anybody like movies in here? Raise your hand if you like movies. Come on, let's get, let's get in human being mode here. You don't have to be in your church mode for a second. I love movies. Movies are, are, are so fun to watch. I love a movie that has got a good plot. That's great. But I also love a movie that's got a good plot and a really good score. I think the soundtrack to a movie is really important. Would you agree with that? Like, are there certain soundtracks that really just stand out to you? I know there's a couple of key uh, songs from movies that when you hear them just instantly you think of the movie, when you hear the movie title, instantly you think of the soundtrack, it just goes like hand in hand. Like for instance, I mean this is a little old school, so maybe some of the young'uns in here may not know this, but if you know this song, then just let me know. Kind of just wave at me and let me know that you know this song. How about this one? Sing it. Y'all can know this, huh? What movie is that? Raiders of the Lost Ark. I will take Indiana Jones as a secondary non-correct answer unless you're saying Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom or Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I'm a movie nerd, okay? Another great, another great movie score that I absolutely love. Uh, I, 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 these are all John Williams songs. Great composer. But how about this? Does anyone know this one? What is it? It's Jurassic Park. That's a classic, right? John Williams be writing them songs now, I'll tell you. He knows what's up. How about this one right here? I'm not sure how long it's going to And once again, I'm, I'm 46, so I'm throwing out some old movies here, okay? I'm, I'm going to get old school with my themes here. How about this one? Y'all know what that is already? I sang two notes. You know that's you know that little song right there. What movie is that? That's the song that kept me out of the water in the seventies. That song alone kept me from swimming in the seventies. All of them, all the seventies. Could not swim after that song. My dad would sing that song every time I got in a swimming pool just to be mean to me. Y'all thought Pastor Gary was all nice. He got that mean streak in here. Five years old. Do, 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 do. I'd be like, no. How about. Do, 
What's the moment? What song is that? Rocky. You know you want to fight somebody when you hear that song. Tell the truth. You start to be like, I'll take, I'll take you right now. You heard that song, don't you? You better watch out. Rocky, Rocky. Those are just, I mean, that's a great song. Bill Conti, you, you, get, you, get those, you get those images of Rocky running through the streets of Philly. All those kids are chasing him. It's a little creepy, but kind of cool, too. But, I mean, it's like a really awesome moment in the movie. But those, those are like synonymous. You can't think of Rocky without thinking of that song. You can't think of that song without thinking of Rocky. The concept for matching a song with a character started in the 17th century with opera and plays where composers would play something that was called the leitmotif. And the leitmotif was a way to connect the audience with a particular character. So, for instance, if the hero came onto the stage, they would have a song. You think of Indiana Jones when you think of That's why people said Indiana Jones, not Raiders of the Lost Ark, because you kind of connect that with him. Uh, and in the same way, Maybe the bad guy comes out, do, 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 do. You'd be like, oh, he's going to eat somebody. Oh, do, 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 do. The bad guy comes out in the play. You know who that is because it's called a leitmotif. So the leitmotif is a way to connect a song with a character. I believe that when we think about who Jesus really, really is, I believe that he has his own leitmotif. I believe he has a song, a sound, a feeling that goes along with who he is. It's all wrapped up in who he is. And I believe that it's possible for us to understand this and to know this. And I think that you can discover a lot of what that leitmotif sounds like by analyzing this story of Jesus encountering these broken people. Lepers, as I mentioned, broken people, broken people who have lost everything. Have you ever hit a, a bump in the road in life that you thought just was gonna completely derail you from your future? I have. I've, you ever had those kind of nights where you get a phone call or you find something out and you're staring up going at the ceiling going, well, going to start all over. You just, you, you just literally, you're just like, every plan I ever had is over with. I, I, every dream I ever had, it's, it's crushed. These are broken people. So I think most of us in this room, in this room can relate to being broken and needing help. Needing a savior, someone that comes to our rescue. There's a theme song to who Jesus is. We should know what it sounds like. And I, I'm going to unpack it a little bit, some of these stories today. And I hope by the time you leave, you can hear that song in your head. I hope you can hear that song in your heart. And I hope when you hear it, it gets you just as fired up as any of these other songs that I've sung. So I'll start out analyzing these stories by pointing out a, a pretty significant fact. In these stories, we learn that God heals us all in different ways. In the first story, a man comes to Jesus, he lays his hand on that guy, and that guy gets healed immediately. After he's healed, then Jesus tells this man, go to church, go show yourself to the priest." Go sacrifice, do what you're supposed to do in church. Change your lifestyle. So he lays hands on him. The guy receives his miracle. Then he gives him instructions for lifestyle change. Story number two, we got 10 men. Jesus is not even close to them. They call out to him, heal us. 
He says, hey, go show yourself to the priest. He doesn't touch them. They don't get healed immediately. As a matter of fact, in that story, it says as they went, they had to walk a journey of obedience in order to even find their miracle. But all 11 lepers combined in the story, the 10 from the one and the one from the other, all 11 figure out that healing comes through Jesus one way or another. So God heals us all in different ways. Stop judging your miracle by the miracle the person sitting next to you got or didn't get. Stop comparing the way God wants to heal you to the way he has healed other people. God heals us all in different ways. It's not going to look the same. We get really off base and a lack of focus when we start focusing on the method that God uses to heal people. Everyone's story is going to look different. Look at someone next to you and say, you look good for a Sunday in October. Tell them again. <laughs> say, don't think I haven't noticed. And now look at them and say, your story is not my story. It's just not. My dad had, has a story that's so sick in terms of like amazing. It's a movie. His, like, I wrote a movie about this, about my dad's life. It's like his life is so powerful, and, and I like the, the, the plot twists and everything. It, 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 it couldn't, you couldn't make something like that up. The way God took him out of a life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, facing 25 years in a penitentiary and in a jail cell in Birmingham, Alabama in 1969, God speaks to him, says, I want to use you. I want you to serve me. He says, God, I'll give you my heart. I'll give you my life. I'll turn away from my sin. I'll follow you all the days of my life, but I don't know what's going to happen to me. The judge dropped every charge mysteriously, and he never served a day in jail and has served God every day ever since 1969, the moment God set him free. He broke his addiction to drugs, alcohol. He never went back to that old life, never said a cuss word. I mean, he just, he just everything in his life was different. He got changed immediately. Look at someone next to you say, your story is not my story. For some of you, that's not your story. You're like, I remember the day I got saved and I've had some problems since then. Everyone doesn't have that magical, amazing, supernatural transition. That scared me a little bit, I'm going to be honest with you. I just I figured out that's the lights. That's all right. Thank you, Jesus, for your peace. <laughs> Sometimes I have flashbacks. Were any of y'all here when we did that series called Wild Things and we had an actual lion on stage? A little bit of a flashback right there. I felt as if that lion was still there in a way. I'll be honest with you. So my dad had this miraculous thing where everything in his life just changes immediately. It's kind of like that story of that first leper. Jesus laid hands on him. The Bible says immediately. Somebody say immediately. So you may, there may be people in this room that the moment you came to Jesus, immediately, <laughs> immediately, where the lion trainer at? Immediately, your life changed. Immediately, your life changed. But for other people, it may be more of a process on how God has changed your life. You know, I love this story. This is so funny. Uh, my dad, like I said, instantly, life changed. I remember when my dad was a young pastor uh, over in that building over there. He's, he was younger at this time than I am right now. And he, on a Sunday morning, he was preaching. And, I mean, he preached fire. 
he just, it was a message of hope. It was so amazing. And people got saved, and he invited everyone that got saved down to the front. And he took his microphone, and you never do this, but he took his microphone and just on the fly, he said, brother, he said, the Lord has saved you and set you free. He goes, how does it feel to know that you are a brand new creature in Christ and you are no longer bound and chained to sin? And guy number one said, it feels fantastic. I want to praise the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart and soul. And everyone in the room started clapping. Oh, yeah. And you could tell this guy had been in church before because he's using like churchy terminology. And he goes to the second guy, he goes, how, how about you, man? How does it feel to know that the Lord has set you free and he has changed your heart forever? And this guy said, I'm just thankful that the blood of Jesus covered all of my sins and I'm free forever in the name of Jesus. Glory to the Lamb. And everyone in the church start clapping their hands and going you could tell this guy had been in church before he's using something like churchy terminology then he comes to guy number three who is decked out in all harley davidson gear he's got the biggest beard i've ever seen in my entire life he's tatted all over the place he's got nose rings before nose rings were very vogue like he's just got it all going on and my dad says brother how does it feel to know that jesus has saved you and set you free and this guy's got tears streaming down his face he can barely even speak a big old huge guy he goes how does it feel to know Jesus set you free and saved you. And this guy goes, he grabs the mic from my dad. He goes, this is the best blankety feeling I ever had in my blankety blank in life. Praise the blanket Lord. And like, we, we were, it was back in the old days of church where everyone was like, I think like two people were clapping, but we should clap for that. You know why? Because we got a good God. And not everyone is healed in the same way. He heals us all in different ways. Do you know what that looks like? What that looks like is that for some people, they experience that life-changing power that my dad experienced in that cell. And everything changes from that moment forward. But for this guy right here, all he knew, his only filter of life is that he once was lost, but now he's been found. He once was blind, but now he can see. And now what it looks like is when Jesus tells you, go show yourself to the priest, on the way to the priest, day one it might be blankety blank, but day two it might be, this is the best dad gum feeling that I've ever had in my life. Day three, it might be, this is the best feeling I ever had in my life. Day four, it, or, day, or week four, or month four, it might be, you know what, praise God, because Jehovah Rapha is my healer, and he is set me free and I will never be in the chains that I used to be in again he heals us all in different ways stop judging someone else's miracle because it doesn't look like your miracle stop judging your miracle because it doesn't look like someone else's miracle we get it messed up so much when we start focusing on the method that Jesus uses to heal us and to set us free that is why Jesus consistently changed the method of how he healed blind people in the Bible. Have you ever looked at the way he healed blind people? Some blind people in the Bible, he said, you're healed. He just said it. He didn't touch them. He just like, you're healed. Isn't that simple? Don't you wish everything was that simple in life? It's like, boom, your bank account's full. It's like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> That'd be really dope. You're allowed to do that if you want to, Lord. But you know, some is a little more complicated. Some is like, come over here, let me pray for you. Now you've got to go from where you are to where he is. You've got to have some movement going on. You've got to, you know, it's a little uncomfortable. One, some people, he lays hands on them. One guy, he did something really weird with this one guy. This one guy's there, he's blind, he can't see. He's like, Jesus, you're here, right? And she's like, yeah, I'm here. He's like, I, I, I hear you. And then Jesus like spits, like a huge spitball, like in the, in the ground. He's like, Jesus, I just heard something kind of weird. Like, what is that? 
I, I heard something. It sounds, you know, unusual. And, and, and Jesus is like, just, just hang out there for a second. He's like, Phew. he starts rolling up. He's like, wow, now I hear something different. That sounds like you just spit. <laughs> and, and Jesus is like, just stand there, homie. And he takes this spitball with dirt, super weird, super like you can't find anything in Scripture. Why? He's, and, and now he's like, oh, God, Jesus, I feel something inside of it. It feels like dirt and spit. Wow, that's different. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh, my gosh, I can see. Why? <laughs> Why did he mix it up like that? Why didn't he just every time say, you're healed? Why didn't he every time just stick spitballs in people's eyes? Because he knew that we can be really stupid and that if he did the spitballs every time, that there would be churches all over the state called the First Church of the Spitball. <laughs> Why? Because we have a tendency to worship the how more than the who. See, God has not called us to build a shrine around the how. He's called us to worship the who, and the who is Jesus. Jesus wants the attention on himself. And you know what he's actually doing? He's going, I'll do whatever I want. Be healed. Boom. See that? I just said be healed, and he's healed. Next time, watch this. It's like, oh, Jesus, you just healed the blind man. Here's another blind man. You're going to just say be healed, right? No, this time I'm going to touch him. Come here. Let me touch you. And as a matter of fact, I could go even further. There's one time where he touched a guy, and the guy goes, oh, I, I can see, but it's extremely blurry. And he touches him again. He's like, I can see, but... I see men, but they look like trees. And then he, boom, he touches him again. And he's like, holy cow, I can see 2020. Isn't that wild? Why did, he takes this guy through a whole process, a process of healing, where the healing is not complete at the beginning. Are you guys here in church with me today? Because this is good preaching right here. The process is not even complete the first time. And he says, close your eyes, go, go to step two of the process. I want to see if you're being obedient. I want to see if you start complaining about the fact that, that you can see, but it's not good enough. I want to see if you're willing to go to step two. How many people here are willing to go to step two today if God wants to take you through a process? See, you have to be willing to understand that Jesus is not interested in creating a method that you can follow after. He doesn't want you focused on the method. He wants you focused on him. So he heals us all in different ways. That's important for us to know. Second of all, which would be kind of what I just talked about, I want to put a focus in a different aspect of it. God heals us all in different times. So the immediacy of how he heals the first guy. We all want to be the first guy. He heals him, and then he says, now that you're healed, go a different way than you came. To the second group, they're living in this world of brokenness, and he says, here's your solution Go a different way than you came. And it says, as they went, they were healed. Do you know it doesn't really tell us the details of how they got healed as they went? But there are 10 of them. And I'm assuming that with the 10 of them, they were all healed at different times. I don't think there was a certain distance that they walked for Jesus where something magically happened. I think gradually, all of them begin to notice something. They're all ten, they know each other. They hang out all the time. They're buddies. They're all kind of banished to the same leper colony. Like they're like, go show ourselves to the priest. 
All right, thank you. Got nothing better to do. Let's go, guys. I mean, can't hurt. He's Jesus. He's the guy everyone's been talking about. I've seen him before. Holy cow, Bill. Holy cow, Bill, my hand. Does my hand look normal to you, Bill? And Bill's like, oh, my gosh, that spot that was on your hand, it's completely gone. And Bill's like, does my face look normal? He's like, no, Bill, you're still messed up. Uh, keep walking, though. And, and it's like, it's like the, the process along the way, some of, them have to, some of them have to figure out. And, like, Bill keeps walking because he, he wants to get there. He wants his miracle. But he, they're starting to realize somewhere along the way of obedience, somewhere along the path of obedience, they received their miracle. Put your hand on your heart. Say, I'm going to live a life of obedience. Somewhere along the path of obedience, you are going to get your miracle. You're going to get your miracle. I don't know what that might look like. I don't know when that might look like. It may fool everybody. People may look at your life when it's over and say, wow, they lived their whole life and they never got that miracle. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe that we trust God and he tells us, get away from the life that you've been living. Go toward this brand new life. Go tell the priest. And somewhere along the way, we are changed so deeply. Maybe that's the last day of our life. Maybe that's the, the first moment of the next life that we spend in heaven with God. But I believe that we receive our miracle along the way because God heals us all at different times. Stop worrying about your timing. Stop worrying about the timing of your miracle. Start giving that to God and trusting in God, realizing if he heals us in different ways and he also heals us in different times. And then finally, point number three would be that God always sets us on a different path. Something that he told these guys to do in both cases, he said, go. He said, go show yourself to the priest. See, Jesus is all about you getting away from the old life that you used to live that didn't work and going into a brand new life that does work in him. What you've been doing to this point has failed. So why keep doing something that's failed? What's the solution when you go start your car and there's no noise whatsoever? It does not turn over. It's completely dead. What's the solution? Is the solution to get back in it tomorrow and just like say a prayer and do it again? No. Is the solution to do it every day until magically it starts? I got news for you. It's not going to start. The solution is to do something different than you've been doing. you got to get that thing fixed. you got to do something different than you've been doing on the things that didn't work. And Jesus is saying, go, go out of the old way that you used to live and go into a new way that I have called you to go. Go to a different path. He always sets us on a different path. And I tell you today the same thing Jesus is telling you. Go. Go and give. Go and serve. Go and pray. Go and study. Go and worship. Go and tell somebody about Jesus. Go and live the life that you're meant to live. Don't stay where you are, but go. Go out of the old things that don't work into a new life that does work in Jesus. Situate your life in Christ Jesus first, Jesus always. You never found a miracle the old way, so start living the new way. As they went, they were healed on the new path. So to me, when I look at this story, I want to make sure that I stop comparing the timing of my miracle to other people. I want to stop comparing the method of my miracle to other people and I want to make sure that I focus on the fact that Jesus has told me to go get away from the old life I used to live start walking that new path that brand new life look at the person next to you and say what you used to do didn't work good enough it didn't it just didn't work good enough drinking every night partying it didn't work good enough that's why you're here relationships sleeping around didn't work good enough 
Nobody would be here if that life worked. It just, it just creates a need for more and more and more of the same thing over and over. Accomplishment, it doesn't work. Bench, hitting benchmarks, it doesn't work. You gotta go from all that stuff. You gotta go into this brand new life that God has called us into. It's a life of faith. We gotta go. You know what I love about this story? Is I think it truly illustrates to us and teaches us what we were singing about earlier. The reckless love of God, this, <laughs> this incredible love that we cannot comprehend, it teaches us his song. It teaches us his leitmotif. It teaches us what it feels like when we hear that song of Jesus. It's inspiring. It's bold. It's memorable. When we hear it, it builds anticipation. It's got a great pre-chorus that builds up so strong. And when it gets to the chorus, it explodes with hope. It explodes with encouragement when we hear that song, his light motif. When we think of him, we think of the song. When we hear the song, we think of him. And what are the lyrics to that song? I believe that the lyrics to that song are this. And we find it from this message today. Here's the lyrics to the light motif of Jesus. I love you just like you are. But I love you too much to leave you like you are. The prostitute that Jesus met, he loved her unconditionally. He loved her when she was a prostitute. What did he tell her after all it was over with? He said, Everybody, nobody threw a stone. Just me and you. Go and sin no more. He said, I, I'm, I'm not going to accuse you. If they didn't accuse you, I'm not going to accuse you. Go and sin no more. What did he tell her to do? Go. He said, love is not the issue. I already love you. But I love you too much to let you keep living this life. Don't live the old life anymore. See, that's what God's telling us today. It's going to be different. You're going to be different. I'm going to be different. We're going to walk out of here different. We're going to stop living a life that doesn't work start living a life that honors God in everything we do. We're those lepers. Some of us had a dynamic conversion experience when we came to Jesus where everything changed. We never went back. Some of us, we've been walking down that road. For some of us, it's that this, this is the best blankety feeling I ever had in my life. For some of us, we're still kind of stuck in that realm and we need to get beyond that and grow in Jesus' name. Amen. We need to keep progressing and growing into the person that God has called us to be. God loves us too much to leave us like we used to be. He loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. So let's, let's let ourselves be changed by this dynamic love of God to leave a different way than we came. You know, I told South Orlando, I, I didn't tell the first service, but I told you this, and I'm gonna do it when I leave just because I wanna, I wanna prove it and demonstrate it. Why don't you drive home a different way today? Drive home, take a different turn than you normally take, even if it's the long way. Drive a leave a different way than you came. Leave a different way than you normally come just to demonstrate to yourself that in life we have to change our path if we're ever going to change our path. We got to change our way if we're ever going to change our way. Just remind yourself, take a couple of different turns. And I mean, when you're on your way home, after you go to Chick-fil-A, which is closed and you forgot because you're going to go there. After you go there and then you, you settle for Wendy's, after you do that, apologize if anyone here works for Wendy's. It wasn't supposed to be. I'm just saying when you want Chick-fil-A, you want Wendy's. You don't want Wendy's. 
just take a couple different turns and go the long way and, 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 and remind who you're with. Hey, let's just go a different way. Let's go a different way. Why? Because he always sends us out on a different path. A different path. I believe that's what God's called us to do today. I hope you're here today and you feel so good about how your God loves you. Um, can't earn it. Don't deserve it. But he loves you anyways. Even if you bring beer bottles into church. And drop them in the middle of my message. I mean it. I'm serious. It's a perfect reminder of his perfect love for us. I hope you feel good, man. I, I, I do. I do. I, I, feel, I feel the love of my God today for me, and I hope you feel it for you. So could we bow our heads? Thank you for listening to the City of Life Church podcast. If the ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider giving generously by going to col.tv slash give.